Before we get to this week's Game of Thrones rewatch, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are friends over at True Car because they've got some useful tips that you might not be aware of, like how a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean the interior of your car. Probably would work well on a sword, I would imagine. Also, you could remove the excess weight from your car to improve its gas mileage, and you could also place a keychain remote right underneath your chin to increase its range. Those are weird tips. Here's something that's not so weird about how True Car can help you save on a used car as well. That's right. True Car is not just for buying a new car. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory, nearly 1 million used cars. You'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, you can see what other people paid so you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. And you're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience when you connect with a True Car certified dealer. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience some features are not available in all states. Winter was here, but we are just getting started on the post-show recaps Game of Thrones rewatch for Season 4, Episode 9, Watchers on the Wall. And now here are the two guys who are always with a bad plan like Jon Snow. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I am doing well, Rob. It may be a bad plan, but I don't have another plan. Do you have a plan? Nobody has a plan. No plans. No plans today except to sit down. And listen to some Game of Thrones podcasting. Yes. About a big old battle at Castle Black. Yeah. That was the alternate title for this episode of Game of Thrones. A big old battle at <laughs> big old Castle, battle at Castle Black. Black. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the self-contained bottle episode, I guess you could call it. But usually that implies that that's like a cheap episode in TV production. Uh, and this was not pretty cheap. But this was a epic battle all taking place at the wall where the wildling army is going to be attacking uh, the wall from the north. Then also we're going to see Tormund and Egret and her crew with the Fens. They are going to be attacking the wall from the south. And we are going to see our brothers of the Night's Watch, uh, the 102 that are left, try to hold the gate. And it is going to be an epic hour or so of television indeed. And yeah, this is sort of this is the Game of Thrones tradition, right? Like the penultimate episodes of every season are always an event. And it seems like for the even numbered seasons, Mm -hmm. the penultimate episodes are always very, very battle heavy, whether it was Blackwater in season two, which we've already covered on this podcast. Now we're at Watchers on the Wall. In the future, we'll get to the Battle of the Bastards. Mm -hmm. Makes you wonder what the penultimate episode of the final season uh might look like that could be a pretty cool affair um but yeah it's a it's a it's a big one i don't think it's unfair to call it a bottle episode it's all on the you know the night's watch sets it's all at the castle black set pretty much completely uh so it's 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 cheap but it's cheap in the ryan aiken sense like it's a it's a good kind (laughs) of cheap okay yeah yes Eh, castle black water yeah yeah, Castle Castle Blackwater. Uh, but I think like just to to you know talk about that uh that uh, uh mammoth in the room if you will in terms of comparing this to the one that we have seen before Blackwater being the other huge battle episode that is only about that one event. Uh, same deal here with Watchers on the Wall. Both episodes directed by Neil Marshall. Uh, so there is that symmetry as well. 
this is certainly the inferior episode, right? Yeah, there's really great moments in this episode. And I actually really enjoyed it on the rewatch, but I kind of feel like the actual scenes that take place outside of the battle are inferior to what went on in Blackwater. Yeah, because I think one of the things that we really loved about Blackwater when we were revisiting it was even like the quieter moments are so charged and so intense, like everything that's going on with Cersei and the build up to the battle, um, you know, the hounds arc throughout that episode. I just I feel like the the characters that you're with that you're living with in Blackwater and the different sides of the battle, whether it's as clean as you're a Lannister loyalist or it's the the Stannis Baratheon crew, but also like the the mini divisions within the Lannister contingent because nobody gets along on that side of the aisle. This is a lot more straightforward. And while there are great characters in play here, and I don't mean to diminish the likes of the great Pip or Gren, uh, you know, I, I just think that it's it's a less interesting and a less dynamic crew that you're dealing with here in Watchers on the Wall than you were in Blackwater. And I feel like there's a perspective that's missing in this episode, too, that I feel like if they had just been able to bring us some Mance Raider into this episode so that you can kind of see like the wildling assault from their side of the line and, and what this means to them. I think that that probably would have added a lot of punch uh, emotionally. Um, so I just, I think that that's, that's a, an underrated element of this is you don't really feel like there's much of a rooting cause in the people that John is, is fighting against in this episode. Whereas in Blackwater, you really didn't know whose side you were supposed to be on. All right. Well, let's get into this recap of the episode. We start off with Sam and John up at the top of the wall and have talking about love before quiet before the storm. And with Sam, you know, echoing back to the first season when he was asking John about the time that uh, because uh, we found out that John was a maid also once upon a time. And uh, he was asking John about Roz at the time. Remember that? Yes, I do. I recall. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, What was it like being with Gilly? And John is talking about how to have someone who... (laughs) <laughs> loves loves you and loves them back what's that like uh pervy sam shows up here josh uh once in a while how was uh egret's feet yeah how is egret's feet it's like yikes man foot fetish foot fetish on sam mm-hmm. i mean no dis- no disrespect if that's your thing and i guess these guys feel like you know they're about to die so maybe maybe just uh ex- explore some light conversation on your way out the door uh but it, it's an odd way to start the episode for sure uh, this this conversation between the two of them. But I, I think it emotionally connects for John at the very least, knowing that Egret's going to come back and they're going to lay eyes on each other one last time and she is not going to make it. So I think just a kind of like setting up how he felt about her. It's it's nice in that regard. And then for Sam, his whole arc is going to be uh, how how far he's come since the early days as well. He is so not craven in this episode. He's not craven in this episode. Uh, yeah. There is some talk that Jon Snow says, oh, you and Gilly never hooked up? He's like, well, you know, she just had a baby. And then also uh, she never offered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They talk about how uh, the Night's Watch, uh, it forbids people from taking Sam wives or producing children, but other quote-unquote activities are open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's uh, according to Sam. If it's, an op- if it's an open relationship, 
you know, then that's okay. If you don't put labels on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the move. Yeah. I like that. John is like, well, let, let's see what, uh, Lord commander Thorne, uh, thinks about your interpretation. Right. <laughs> right. Alistair Thorne, by the way, is, uh, maybe MVP of the episode. His best episode. And it's not close. for sure. Yes, for sure. Not even close. Okay. All right. Uh, so we then get the perspective from the wildling camp. And, uh, this is a, uh, you know, a, a great reset of, Tormin talking about how he once had a affair with a bear activities were <laughs> engaged in with this bear and egret does some myth busting here she's mm-hmm. like yeah that never happened and i really want to stop thinking about the imaginary bear you had fake sex with he's like no it's true it's totally real it definitely happened don't listen to her Mm -hmm. i definitely definitely did this with the bear yeah Uh, and she she is just uh she is she is poo-pooing that myth yes it's not real and egret is turned up she's ready to kill some crows especially Jon snow and we have our then is not buying it no, he thinks that this is all uh, nonsense. He's really needling her and uh, thinks that she's just like going to uh, hook up with John as soon as she sees him and has some uh, inappropriate ways of describing exactly what he expects from Egret towards Jon Snow. But Egret really shoots it down and she says, nope, that's not why I'm here. I want to kill Jon Snow. And uh, anyone who stands in the way is going to be having a very unpleasant evening. Right. Jon Snow is mine, everybody. Got it? Got it. Okay. All right. Even though the the Fen is going to uh, completely ignore that <laughs> later on in the episode to his detriment. Yes. All right. Back at the wall. Sam is up late at night. He's reading a book. Maester Eamon comes in. He has a great scene here with Sam and he is uh, already coming in shading Sam. He's like, uh, I know only Samuel Tarly would be burning up all the candles, reading a book here. Yeah. And Maester Eamon is like, that's the funny thing about getting old. You're in a library with all these books, but you can't read anything. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not fair. <laughs> it's it's not fair. Yes. Yeah, it's very ironic. Yes. <laughs> His glass is broke at right. the end of the world. And uh, Maester Eamon is talking about how, you know, uh, that he knows that Sam is in love and, you know, Samuel Tarly, uh, you know, didn't listen to him and he knows a thing or two about love. And Sam's like, no, not you. And Maester (laughs) Eamon is like really (laughs) indignant with Sam. It's like, I was young once. Relax, kid. Uh, Yeah. So he's talking about how there was someone he loved once upon a time. He could still picture her more clearly than he can picture Sam. Uh, Sam doesn't seem to take too much offense to that. Mm -hmm. I'm right here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need to compare this story with what Lady Elena was talking about. Was was she supposed to marry him, but then ended up uh, going after uh his brother ooh maybe but but she's um, not but she didn't end up married to a targaryen no she did not um 
but I do like the idea of the two of them crossing paths. So I'm just going to I'm going to ship this. Yeah, I I, got to get the full history of uh, the full gossip. Maybe when they do like the crown version of the. (laughs) Well, that's what that's what George R. R. Martin's working on. Right. Through every decade of history of Westeros. Oh, my God. Uh, Let's not get into all of like the behind the scenes, like pay disparity. It's going to be a real mess. Okay. All right. Um, We have a knock at the gate and Pip is saying, nope, can't let anybody in. Not on the list. I got yelled at for not being never open the gate. And it's Gilly. Sam says, hey, Pip, open the effing gate. Yes. And Pip is uh, like a a nun. He is. He is. You never use the F word. Such foul language. I've never heard you talk like that before. I had to do it now. Yeah, and Sam's like, well, the good news is you'll never hear me drop another F-bomb again because mm. you'll be dead in 10 minutes. Yeah, poor Pip. Uh, he's, it's a little longer than 10 minutes. Yeah. Pip, uh, he goes out in this episode and uh, that somehow he ends up being like way more craven than Sam in his uh, farewell episode. I'm not shocked. I mean, I think both Sam and Pip, they're stewards. Uh, they are not fighters. Pip was never good at this stuff. Uh, he, I think the reason that Pip was sent to the Night's Watch, isn't it because like he was like hit on by a guy, like there was like this Lord who was Mm. trying to make a pass at Pip. And so he got sent to the Night's Watch. It's not like he was like a dangerous person at any point in time. He's a pretty innocent guy. Uh, he's just not somebody who has had a whole bunch of stories. So you, you maybe like think of him more in relation to Gren, who's a tough guy. Um, but Pip, I think has always been, he was always a soft hearted fella. Uh, but he never really got a moment like no, other than he no. killed like one guy with an arrow or like uh, five seconds before he got killed. You know, Sam got to become a hero. Yeah. Gren has a, you know, a, a great death in this episode. Ed goes on to basically lead the Night's Watch. I mean, Pip is the one guy out of this crew that, you know, really didn't ever get a shining moment. Well, I do think, you know, we're skipping ahead a little bit and just kind of talking about his death right now. We'll revisit it in a minute. But for for me, and I think for a lot of people who came at Game of Thrones, the show, having read the the books first, um, you know, Pip is still alive through five books of, of A Song of Ice and Fire. And his death here was a real shock in that regard, because he's a, he's a really likable, lovable side character, uh, both on the show and in the books. And when you see him take an arrow to the neck there... It's the it's the it's the first signal that, oh, God, something might be wrong in this episode. Like they're really going for it. And I think it's a smart move on the part of the show to kill off both Pip and Gren, who are both still alive mm-hmm. in the book, uh, because I, I think like otherwise, what were the stakes of this battle? I think that you need to lose some characters that uh, you you recognize at the very least. So Pip's shining moment is really kind of like a very miniature version of the same sense of shock and dread that you get when some of these big characters get killed off. Um, that Like you're just not expecting this guy to die in this moment in time. And it, it gets you feeling a little unsettled for the rest of the episode. At least that was my perspective on it. All right. So we go back to see John back up at the top of the wall and uh, we see a huge fire, maybe even the biggest fire the North has ever seen. Maybe, maybe. Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be the biggest fire. This is shot from a distance, you know, so hard to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but large fire. And Thorne is up there, too. And him and John have a moment. And Thorne says, uh, 100,000 men, you say? 
Yeah. yeah, give or take. It's like, uh, well, you know, I think you were right. We should have sealed the tunnel. Yeah, he's he's like, if you want to say it, you can. You can totally, you can totally do it. You can say you told me so. And Jon Snow, what a good lad, just like well, biting his tongue. You know, huh. anyone can second guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> if he knew, if he knew that he was on a collision course with uh, Alistair Thorne's dagger, just one season from now. Maybe he would be a little ruder. Maybe he'd be like, well, yeah, you know what? I did tell you. And here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he he really gives the guy a pass. Yeah. It's so crazy. This one episode, Thorne is just not a dingus. He's he's amazing. He's awesome. Uh, Owen Teal, who plays Alistair Thorne, it's like, this is my episode and I'm going to crush it. Uh, you know, he just he has like that kind of like gruff military presence and the way he like speaks to all of the other soldiers in this mixture of just like, um, you know, inspiration, but also still being like the same reliable asshole that he has been for four seasons of the show. Uh, it's it's great. It's just it's a it's a very true to character um, performance in this episode where he is still kind of like that rough around the edges guy. But he is that guy is the person you want in the foxhole in this moment. He's really mm-hmm. excellent. Okay. Um, he gives Jon Snow a lesson on leadership about uh, how leadership is when every, uh, um, he uses some colorful language uh, yeah. person. A clever and, little what? Yes. Uh, they're all second guessing you. Uh, yes. But when you start to second guess yourself, that's when everything is lost. Yeah. So Alistair Thorne, you're going to have no one to thank but yourself for everywhere we're going in the future of uh, of the Night's Watch. Like mm-hmm. this leadership lesson is really going to take hold for Jon Snow when he's elected Lord Commander in uh, just a, a few episodes from now. OK. Uh, Gilly needs a safe place to stay during the raid of uh, Castle Black. So Sam ends up finding what is this a pantry, would you say? Yeah, he had. It's like a, a walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty expansive. It's a, a certainly enough place, uh, enough room for at least two adults to cower in fear. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to have a promise made. Uh, the promise is going to be promise you won't die, Sam. <laughs> I promise I will never die. Okay, I mean, so far he's been a man of his word. Yeah, you know. Ah mm-hmm. uh, man, I mean again, just in the in the spirit of forecasting the future of Game of Thrones, as we often say, as we are recording this, six more episodes of Game of Thrones to go. Sam and Gilly both in Winterfell at the at the end of season seven. White Walkers now in Westeros. Somebody's got to die to set some stakes. I'm telling you, Rob, I'm nervous, very nervous for the Sam and Gilly dynamic. I don't like Gilly's really? odds. You, you feel yeah. like Gilly yes. is going to be the one to go. I, I yes. mean, but but on the other hand, Sam, I feel like if you we if we had a draft right now of top five characters that are going to be alive at the end of Game of Thrones, that I feel like that Sam's Sam, high, right? Sam should go in those for in those five picks. I agree. I agree. And I think in terms of like who will die in the final season of Game of Thrones, if you've got five picks per side, so we're talking ten characters. I think I would take Gilly. I think I would take Gilly in that draft. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think I think she's going to survive. She's obviously she's going to survive this night here. She's going to have survived some tremendous stuff. Uh, but I think in terms of setting some stakes and giving Sam uh, some some uh, some reason to be really angry in this final season, I'm very nervous for Gilly. I'm not rooting for it. I don't want it to happen. I will be thrilled to be wrong. 
But just the reality is White Walkers are marching on Winterfell, Rob. Somebody's going to die. Yeah. Josh, it really seems like the Game of Thrones cast is very sad to be done filming the show. It does. Yeah. Uh, as again, as we're recording this, they've they've just uh, very recently, it seems like they've wrapped production on Game of Thrones. As we're speaking, Rob, uh, the ending of Game of Thrones it exists now. Mm-hmm. It's cr- that's crazy. Did they film 30 different endings? I think they filmed like a thousand different endings. <laughs> yeah. 99 different endings. 99 endings. Craster yes. on the Iron Throne. Mark oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> With Carl Tanner as the hand of the king. All of my bastards are the White Walkers. <laughs> 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 and I slayed them all. <laughs> yeah. I like that ending. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Craster's Red Keep, they call it now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I want to watch that. Okay. I want to watch that spin off very badly. Let's check in with Pip and Sam. And they are sort of, uh, they have been tasked to man the front side of Castle Black. Right. And they've got crossbows and they've got rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the arsenal here at Castle Black. I really, uh, it's, it's a, it's a grim, it's a grim situation for these Again. guys. A grand situation, indeed. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> Pip is freaking out a little bit, and Sam has to be the voice of reason, which is un- unthinkable even a couple seasons ago. Yeah, he's basically talking about how he became Sam the Slayer. He didn't think that he was going to be able to kill the White Walker. He just knew he had to do something. Otherwise, it would have been very bad. He didn't even remember himself. Uh, he says, I was nothing, and when you're nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of. And uh, it's like he's already uh, met Arya Stark. He knows exactly how the faceless men of Bravos work. Mm-hmm. You know, in thinking about this, uh, you know, I was I was re- really trying to put myself into the position of the Brothers of the Night's Watch as I watched this episode. I was I was really thinking deep about this, Josh, and I, I think that the difference here between Pip and Sam is that for Sam, that he is craven, uh, he is a coward, but. That the only alternative here is that, uh, you know, these people are going to sack Castle Black and kill Gilly and baby Sam. And he's uh, like one of the last lines of defense here. So there really is no move to be a coward. He has to stand up and, uh, and fight. And I think the other thing is that Sam is battle tested at this point where Pip doesn't really have any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam, Sam has been in the shit before. So this is uh, this is not an entirely new experience. It's a severe experience, but it's not entirely new. OK. All right. Here come the wildlings. First look of a giant. Oh, uh, yeah. One one's uncle. Two two <laughs> two two. Yeah. The, the giant is great here in this episode. I love, uh, yeah, there's, there's the giant with like the bow, uh, which is amazing where he like launches that one guy with like a huge Such a great javelin moment. of an arrow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think you're not even doing a service to the, to the scene. The, the, the giant like uh, shoots the arrow, hits a guy on the top of the wall, sends yes. him flying. And then we see him go all the way back down could you imagine not only just being shot with the arrow but then also the fall down off the top of the wall with the arrow stuck in you i mean he's got to be dead instantly on the arrow impact you have to imagine you think so 
Oh, Garu. And if he's not, then he's, you know, dying somewhere before impact, where just like the sheer like fright of the situation is uh, is going to take think if you poor get, soul's life. Like the arrow to the head, I think you die instantly, but the yeah, arrow <laughs> to the midsection, like uh-huh. I feel like the, the, you know, there's still blood in your brain. I kind of feel like that you still, you know, have the consciousness. I'm just trying to like think of what was the most peaceful way for this poor guy to go. You know, just let him, let him, let me have this. He died instantly. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to think about the <laughs> the terror that must have been coursing through this poor man as he was sailing into the air and into the ground below. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing shot. I, I do think again, both in terms of literally like great shot, man, uh, but also just it's just like it's a beautifully filmed sequence. The whole battle really is once you get into the battle. The 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 directing on this again, Neil Marshall just uh, crushes. Uh, I just I think in terms of like the the scene construction and the the character dynamics you just got to tip the uh tip the hat towards blackwater by a good margin but the action is is really still marvelous in this episode okay thorn has a pep talk for the guys up at the top of the wall josh yeah what does he say to them he's like you losers i didn't say shoot <laughs> yeah. you want to die tonight like, i think no, he's sir. a knock and hold and then they yeah. go ahead and they like uh pull it i didn't say draw i said knock yeah <laughs> alistair says <laughs> draw <laughs> knock three times <laughs> yeah if you see the white walkers <laughs> um and he's he's great he's like oh, you guys want to die tonight and he's craster too yeah <laughs> we've got a new craster yeah. alistair thorne the uh the heir apparent uh yeah but i i love that speech is like unless you want to die please don't be an idiot uh, is basically what it boils down to. And everybody kind of recalibrates after they've lost some supplies and bungled the uh, the initial <laughs> wave of the attack. Right. I wrote in my notes, Thorne is such a cool guy in this episode. He is a cool guy. <laughs> He's a really cool guy. Very cool dude. Okay. Um, so ultimately, uh, we're going to see uh, Thorne. Uh, he is going to go and uh, head downstairs to see what's what's going on. Uh, Slint is is having a meltdown. Yes, Jano Slint is given command of the wall. Uh, he is going to be the second of four people in charge of the wall in this episode. Thorn gives him the baton. He goes downstairs. Slint is at the top, and he is just crapping himself. Yeah, just uh, there are like two different Thorn pep talks. He gives a pep talk at the top of the wall, and then he gives another pep talk when he gets down uh, to the ground floor at the wall, and basically tells everybody that the Thens eat the people they kill. So unless you want to be in a Thens belly, we got to kill these guys. And so he gets everybody pumped up. But yeah, Jano Slint is left at the top of the wall where he is uh, having a nervous breakdown. Yeah, just in Poo Poo Pan City, for sure. He is having a terrible, terrible time. And everybody up there knows, like, oh, this is the wrong guy to be in charge, for sure. Uh, but Thorne is going to go downstairs. Uh, Slint is going to have command of the wall. And now we're just, like, we're really in the thick of the action of the episode. As, like, Tormund's crew, they're going to start, mo- you know, marching on the wall. And they're going to be, like, shooting at Pip and Sam. And people are dying all around Pip and Sam. Uh, they're dropping rocks. Doesn't seem like that's working so great. No, I mean, it's tough to, you know, uh, drop a rock off the top of the wall and get somebody. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Unless it's a, a boulder. I mean, these seem like fairly big rocks. 
And they're like right down there. It seems like a 12 foot drop, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say this as though I would be useful in this situation in any capacity. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I would have gone to the walk in closet sooner than Jano Slint. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> I love the moment where then the guys up on the top of the wall tell Jano Slint that uh, Thorne is looking for him. Like, uh, it's like, oh, oh, okay, I gotta go. It, it, very similar to when Joffrey was told that Cersei was yes. looking for him at the Blackwater. Oh my God, Westworld, Shogun World all over again. Are we just ripping off the script from Blackwater here? <laughs> yes. yes. It's just a copy and paste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jaina Slint, the new Joffrey here. But that's, uh, Gren has two really standout moments mm-hmm. in this episode, certainly his final moment, but him like coming in and being like, hey, Jaina Slint, like you're needed downstairs. They really, they need to talk to you about stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sure, 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 okay. sure. Oh, uh, yeah. go. I got to get out of here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, see you later. And Jon Snow takes like no time at all to be like, all right, sweet. I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So he's the, he's the third man in charge of the wall in like five minutes. Yeah. Egret, um, she is making her way to Castle Black, uh, killing people left and right. She is, uh, she is eagle-eyed. She is, uh, she is a sniper. She's really good. And the, the, again, just like the way that it's filmed, um, the way that they've chosen to like visually present this episode and the battle and the choreography of it. There's this one moment where like, you see her, like her, her arrow, like sail through the air past like one guy's shoulder. An arrow is coming towards her. You watch how she dodges it. It's so dynamic. It's so awesome. It just looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she is uh, making her way to the wall. We also see a bunch of the wildlings have made it to the kitchen. We have a big uh, kitchen fight. Yes, uh, it, that, that's a great moment as well, where just like some random uh, watcher red shirt uh, is he just like splashes a huge pot of oil into some guy's mm-hmm. face. Yeah, uh, that must have hurt. Yeah. And so uh, not not quite the kill of the episode, but up there. The episode is also pretty dark. It's like hard to like, uh, you know, there's people fighting, but, you know, I was having a hard time like making out like, uh, you know, who was fighting, who, what was happening. Yeah, there are moments where it can be a little confusing. I, th- I think that this one is uh, a little hard to track just because there's no real main character to be watching. Mm-hmm. I think that's very helpful when you have somebody recognizable in the thick of the battle. But the the uh, the wildlings and the members of the Night's Watch in this scene specifically, but in a few of them, they're dressed kind of similarly, mm-hmm. it looks like. At, and I think that you're right to call out the lighting, that I think that that's part of it. But in the kitchen, it's like, wait, who who is who? who who's on right. what side? Because there was a guy that had like this big battle axe. And I feel like that he was like a cook at the Night's Watch. But uh, I don't like, but maybe he was a wildling. I don't know. Yeah. It happens fast enough that it's like it's not something to dwell on too hard. <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I was a little confused. Like, as was well. that the guy that made the rabbit stew? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Rabbit Stew is dead. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace, Stuart. Okay. Um, so, Jano Slint is, you know, he's uh, really upset about everything that's going on. He finds a place to hide, and it's the same place that Gilly is hiding. Yeah, good move, Jano Slint. Get out of this episode. You do not want to be here any further. Mm-hmm. He should have killed Gilly. <laughs> Why? Because then blame it on a wildling. Well, I do wonder, like, how did they have the conversation where she's like, 
So I am a wildling, but I am not with them. Like, how did that work out? How well, did that play out I that think the two of them just wound up in the room together and had a peaceful coexistence? I think that, you know, they, everybody already knew that she was uh, Sam's girlfriend. I think that, you know, she had been to the wall earlier in the season. So I think that, he, you know, he knew the story on her. Do you think that Jano Slint paid attention to Gilly? <laughs> <laughs> I think he knew enough because he was making fun of Sam. I think he was one of the people that was in on that. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. He knew, anyway, he, so. again, he knows all the like the tawdry gossip of the <laughs> Night's Watch. <laughs> uh, Jano Slint can't get enough of the hot gas. <laughs> okay, uh, Sam and Pip, uh, they are having uh, you know an- another talk as uh, that uh, Pip is manning the crossbow. Yeah, and he's like, I think I got one. He's like, oh, sweet. Is is the battle over? No. Yeah, Sam has a great line. Then keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And And he follows Sam's advice. He does keep going. Yeah, but it's a mistake. Uh, it's, it's so sad because like Sam shades him and you're again, like you're not on high alert for Pip, at least if you're me in the first watch of this episode and he shades him and then Pip was like, Oh, good point. And then he goes to like, take some more shots and then he just gets beamed in the neck by Egret of all people. And it's like, Oh man, D and D David and Dan, you guys are not effing around in this episode. No. You're killing, you're killing Pip. Yeah. And Sam tries to tell Pip. It'll be all right. <laughs> Not Sam's finest hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maester Eamon will fix this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he was supposed to say, but it, it is just like immediately. It's like, you're all right. You're all right, Pip. As Pip's like, Aah. yeah, that's tough. It's tough to watch. Uh, uh, Pip going it's, like that. it's a rough, it's a rough way to go. And I mean, it was kind of like mirroring my experience though. Where it's like, they're gonna fix that, right? Like Pip doesn't die here. It's like no, there's that that man is deceased. He is he is not gonna make it. He got pipped. He got pipped. Pipped off. <sighs> All right, back at the top of the wall, we're gonna be uh, dropping more barrel bombs on some guys at the bottom of the wall, and uh, they do a good job up there. I did feel like, uh, why are they so focused on the climbers? Why are they even like shooting arrows down at the people who are climbing up when you know you're just going to swipe them all off in one shot when they get a little bit higher? Yeah, Um, maybe they were trying to hold that back. Mm. Yeah, but I just kind of feel like that the the guys that are climbing, I kind of feel like that uh, they might be just easier to hit as they get closer up. I think that might be that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're dropping barrels. Barrels are exploding by accident. Yeah. All right. Uh, they, they have a big explosion, which ends up uh, scaring away the giant's woolly mammoth. Yeah, the woolly mammoth does not like fire. <laughs> yeah, it's like the hound. <laughs> right. Uh, the woolly mammoth is cool. Love the woolly mammoth. I definitely hope that we get some serious woolly mammoth action in the final season of Game of Thrones. Maybe even a zombie woolly mammoth. Oh, boy. Do they have those? They've got zombie dragons now, dude. They've got zombie everything. They got everything. Okay. Uh, Thorn, he has made his way down and he has found Tormund Giants being a great battle between Thorn and Tormund. Yeah, the only sad part is that Thorn sustains an injury that removes him from the episode while he was uh, being so awesome. Uh, but he gets like stabbed in the side and he is uh, ha- having to be uh, removed from the scene. He falls 
off like a railing into a bale of hay very conveniently. I was watching that scene and thinking how weird it was that in the moment I'm really rooting for Alistair Thorne, but knowing that in the long term view of it, like torment every day of the week. And it also was interesting knowing like how these two are going to measure up moving forward in Game of Thrones, where Thorne is going to be executed in large part thanks to Tormund Giants Bane's efforts and members of the Night's Watch are going to cheer about it. They're going to be psyched about mm-hmm. it. So, and that's not terribly long from now. That's like 11, 12 episodes from now. Yeah. Yeah. Things so, change in a yeah. hurry, Josh. You know, don't say that things don't move fast in Westeros. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sam has watched Pip die now. He's very sad, uh, but he has Pip's crossbow. Yeah, so he's he's like, all right, now I'm going to go Rambo this thing. And he he leaves his station. He runs downstairs. One of the Thens sees Sam and he's just like, mine. Mm-hmm. Want that guy. I'm after him. Yes. Uh, and Sam is able to have another Sam the Slayer moment where he, he notches one of the bolts just in time to kablam the guy in the face. Why did the Then make such a beeline for Sam? It seemed like a risky move to run across the entire battlefield to go and uh, be the person to take out Sam. I don't want to speculate. Okay. I don't want to speculate. Yes. And Sam, tur- I'm sure he had his reasons. Sam turned around and just uh, blasted him with the crossbow. It was a great move. Really, really cool. One of Sam's finest moments. Faux show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Gren and his crew are on the move. They've been tasked with holding the gate. Yeah, this is a sad moment because I think when when John gives Gren the order to do this, they have this moment where he's like, Gren, they, they can't go past the gate. You have to hold it no matter what. And Gren's like, okay, so sweet. I can totally do that. And then John's like, hey. I really mean it like no at, at all costs. They can't go through. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're sending me to die. Got it. Mm-hmm. OK. And so uh, Sam tries to talk Gren out of it. And uh, he's like, look, John told me I got to go do this. Yeah, I got to go do the thing. You go hang out with Jon Snow. Everything's going to be great. Sam also has a moment with Ollie. Yes, Sam needs to go back up to the top of the wall, and Ollie is uh, operating the lift. Yeah, he is the lift driver. Driver Uh, Ollie. Yes, Uh, and Sam like has to like scare him straight, or like get him out of like being in in his in his um, you know like kind of like cowering position. And I didn't feel like he really gave him much of a pep talk. Yeah, he's like, he's really just like, what's your name, Ollie? Can you please fight them? Operate the lift. Yeah. yeah. And that was also bad advice where he's like, and when I get to the top, I'm going to need to come back down. So please bring me back down. Also go fight them. Those two ideas feel like they are in conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what exactly did uh, Sam need to do at the top of the wall? He needed to tell Jon Snow that you need to come down and fight the bad men. Mm-hmm. OK. All right. Yeah. We need you. We need, we-, we need more. We need more people down here. Otherwise, we're going to we're going to get messed up. OK. All right. And we see, you know, uh, we're dropping these barrels of oil, but unfortunately, one of these barrels of oil gets stuck. Yeah. And there's just a big kablooey. Take out a bunch of our own guys. Yeah. That was not good. Uh, own goal, as Stephen Fishback might say. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Uh, Gren and his crew, they are seeing the giant and uh, they have uh, this terrifying moment where they are now going to be in the tunnel. As, and, and when the tunnel door closes, it's like, oh boy, this is uh, not the octagon you want to be in with the giant. This is like a very intense version of the scene from Ghostbusters where Peter Venkman steps out into the hall and Slimer's on the other end. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be a, a very nasty situation. And they get more than slimed. They get slimed for sure, though. Some of them are just like turned into paste, you have to imagine. But it is, it's a really great moment. It's the final stand for Gren and all these other red shirts uh, as they're reciting the, the Night's Watch oath. And like you're just cutting back and seeing the giant charging towards them and just cutting back and forth and back and forth. And you never see anything beyond him break through the little gate and it cuts away and you never see the actual action. As much fun as it would have been to see this battle play out, I think it was a really great uh, decision to kind of just like let us imagine what that epic fight was. That was, you know, Gren's last stand against this guy. Just the aftermath. It tells a, a really cool story, I feel like. We go from that to the amazing tracking shot from this episode where this is really spectacular, Josh. Yeah, where it's just like it's going all around Castle Black in the courtyard and you're seeing like some people fight on one level of the of the structure and then it pans down and you see Jon Snow fighting people. It all really holds up. It's just it's it's a very cool looking episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then we get down to Sam, uh, you know, running back to let Ghost out of the cage. Oh, yeah. And we get Ghost Cam we right to Ghost Cam. I love Ghost Cam. Uh, Yeah, you're in Ghost's perspective as he's going and just like annihilating people. And I was watching this and it was the first time in a long while that like you've had Ghost in a fight scene with Jon Snow near him. Mm -hmm. And man, I really wish that uh, I wish that the show had gone the route of exploring Jon and his warg potential because it'd be so cool if he could just like command Ghost to go and do stuff. and The two of them fighting side by side. But this is still pretty cool. Mm hmm. Now, as a warg, though, don't your eyes roll back into your head? I mean, wouldn't it be, you know, John would be a sitting duck as he's warging into ghosts? Maybe he can half warg, you know, mm, like one 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 eye, a one eyed warging potentially. Right. Like could, a could be the move. Beric Dondarrion type situation. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So ghost is in the battlefield and then uh, the Magner of Then is going to break the egret rule and he is going to take on Jon Snow and it will ultimately prove to be a bad decision as the hammer comes down. Yes. Uh, can I go back to Ghost for one second and then we'll... Uh, of course. Then. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, so when Ghost, or really any of the dire wolves, uh, when they're out uh, just mauling people... Yes. And, you know, they're, they're just like goring them and then they get like blood all over their face and stuff like that. Now, the, all of the, every other time we see the dire wolves, uh, you know, they're always like pristine white. Like uh, who gives the dire wolves a bath after they're just covered in the blood of their victims? Uh, yeah, probably somebody that they trust. Uh, you got to imagine that the number of people capable of bathing ghosts uh, drop by two at the end of this episode. I think that Pip and Grin were probably on that list. You think they just like come clean naturally, like when they drink water? 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. They just like, uh, they really can like, uh, maybe like long tongues or, or whatever. But I'm like, in, hey, the ca- in the case of, uh, in the case of Ghost, at least, it's probably like, you know, it's snowing. So maybe just like the snow itself yeah. just kind of blends into Ghost's fur. Blood's a tough stain, is all I'm saying, especially on white. Sounds like somebody who's speaking from experience. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm just... nervous to push the issue. Maybe we should leave it. Magner of Thin <laughs> gets a hammer to the brain. Yes, brain hammer. Yeah, <laughs> nice move, sweet move by Jon Snow. The fight is pretty brutal. You're never really worried for Jon Snow, but it's very cringy when he just gets anviled to the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Magner of Thin like knocks Longclaw out of Jon's hands at one point, and then just like punches him, and then drops him to the ground, and grabs him by that sweet sweet kit harrington hair and just plops his face down onto an anvil Mm -hmm. and it's like how does he have teeth after that Mm, yeah uh so after a hammer to the brain for the thin Jon snow gets up and walks away only to be then uh faced point blank by egret with the arrow drawn and we will never know what Egret was going to do. Uh, she still has the arrow. She's hesitating a little bit. Um, and that little amount of hesitation is enough to allow Ali to to kill her, to shoot her with the arrow, and to give his little Ollie nod. I'll never forget the way that <laughs> yeah. looks. You mentioned it, it last week. Yeah, the, It lives up to the hype, right? The Ollie nod? Yeah. Yeah, Ali wasn't a douche for one time only. I mean, he's kind of a douche here because it seemed like John and Egrip maybe were about to reconnect, and she's like, "All right, fine, I'll 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 be on your side." And instead, Ali just shoots Egrip. Egrip's gonna die, and now we'll never get to know what life would have been like on Game of Thrones if Egrip was still around when Jon Snow met Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, well, do you think she was going to flip here? I think it's possible. Seemed like it seemed like she might be ready. Seems like she she really likes Jon Snow in those final minutes where she says we shouldn't have left the cave. Yeah. You know, maybe she had already come to that uh, realization. Mm. And Jon's going to be able to become besties with Tormund. You got to imagine that Jon and Egret would be able to patch things up if she hadn't gotten killed (sighs) off here. Maybe if he could have like put her in the brig until, uh, you know, everything ended up uh, like turning around. But uh, I don't know. I think she needs time to cool off here. I don't think she's going to ultimately talk it through. Who knows? Who knows? I would have loved to have seen Egret in the future of Game of Thrones. I think that she would have been a really fun character to have here in uh, the the seasons ahead, given all the action that's happening in the North and John and Tormund becoming best friends. We've got Egret still around. I feel like it'd be fun. Well, she's wise, though, because she's saying to Jon Snow, you remember that cave? We should have stayed in that cave. And Jon says to her, like, "Uh, we'll go back there. She's like, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Those are her final words. And so, uh, you know nothing, Jon Snow. What do you think? Does that speak to that Egret is wise about the afterlife of Game of Thrones? Oh, um, you'll meet somebody else. You'll forget all about me. Yeah, maybe there's that, but there's also like we're not going there's no like mystical afterlife cave we're going to. It's just darkness. There is no afterlife in the world of Game of Thrones, according to the people who have died and come back. Just the black. Uh so maybe there's a little bit of that in there. But I think it's also just another meditation on the the sad tragedy of all of these 
misunderstandings and conflicts that have such terrible fatal consequences here mm-hmm. in the realm of Game of Thrones. Okay. Back up on top of the wall. We're going to drop the scythe. And yes. the, the scythe is awesome. Very, very cool. Very ridiculous. Makes not a ton of sense, but it's <laughs> awesome. It's <Yes>. oh. <laughs> You got to hope that that's going to come back into into play at some point in the future of the show um, that hopefully uh, they didn't destroy the scythe when they destroyed the wall. Or if they did that, the Night King was like, oh, let's pick up the scythe. Uh, let's ta- let's attach that to my zombie. Oh, is dragon. that where they now got the got giant chain from the site, dude? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and the site. I mean, it, perfect timing on the scythe. Uh, they really they knew exactly the right moment to do it. You really get one shot at it, and uh, they knew exactly when all of the guys from the wildlings were all exactly where they needed to be. And uh, they just slice them up. You see, like a couple of guys, like with their hand chopped off. Yeah. Are we surprised though? Dolores Ed is such a strategist. Yeah. Uh, such a master, master strategist. Yeah. You know. Um, and it looks like the worst is over, Josh. Yeah. For one night only, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won the night. They are able to uh, corner Tormund, uh, and they they lock him away. And he's like, you should have, I should have thrown you off the wall, Jon Snow. Jon Snow's like, yeah, you absolutely should have, but you didn't. And now you are my prisoner and soon to be BFF. Yeah. Um, John ends up shooting Tormund in the leg with an arrow also. He says, uh, put him in chains. I do feel like that Tormund goes along and uh, cooperates with the Night's Watchmen because I, I still feel like that the way that they're like like escorting him away, like I feel like if Tormund really was trying to uh, get away, he could have. Maybe. I mean, he's been stabbed a he's little bit. He's, he's got an arrow or two in him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but either way, like he'll be cooperative in the future. So maybe maybe he's he's open to it at this point. OK, so Sam opens the door. Uh, he didn't die. Gilly is very excited to see him. Uh, and oh, Janice Slant is here, too. Just cowering in a corner, just waiting, waiting for uh, uh, waiting for the night to end. OK, uh, what a victory. What a victory for the Night's Watch. But the victory is hollow. It will not stay. It will not stay, at least not without drastic measures. And this is when John and Sam, they're surveying all the damage the next day and they're walking through and John is going to uh, pitch the plan that he is going to leave his sword behind. He is going to leave his post behind and he is going to venture out into the Great White North to pretend to treat with Mance Raider, but instead he will just assassinate the guy because he doesn't believe the wildlings will be able to do anything without their leader in place. Yeah. And Sam tries to talk him out of this. He's like, but, but John, they'll kill you. This is they, and they'll torture you. This is, this is a bad plan. Yeah. And he says, yeah, you're right. It is a bad plan. What's your plan? <laughs> yeah. It's a great moment. I, I love it. It's nice. It's a it's a fun it's a fun moment. And we know obviously how it's going to pan out, but it's a dramatic way to kind of close this episode of John just like kind of doing the Sabatka walk out into the unknown. And you have no idea where he's (laughs) going to go next Um, (laughs) because John feels like, well, Mance Raider is the only person that's keeping uh, all of the 
army together. And so if he could just kill Mance Raider, maybe there's a chance that maybe the whole army will disband. Right. That's the, they'll be like, eh, forget it. Yeah, but it's almost like they probably are like, wait, I forgot Mance Raider was even a thing because he's only been in two episodes. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love Karen Hines, but I just wish that they had like cast somebody who wanted to be Mance Raider. Like mm-hmm. clearly this guy just did not like being on Game of Thrones. Uh it would have been it would have been so great to have Mance Raider on the show a little bit more, especially in this episode. I think that his 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 absence, I feel like you really feel it in the way that this show uh presents this big battle. All right, so John and Sam walk through the tunnel. We see Gren and his buddies they did not make it, but the giant didn't get through either. They held the gate. That one guy, though, was totally justified in being so scared. He's yeah, like, oh, we, yeah. should, we should be here. We should be here. We're going to die. And Grant's like, no, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We're part of the Night's Watch. Everything's going to be blah. We're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. And we see uh, that we got to burn the bodies. Don't forget. That's a very important thing to remember. We do not want zombie Gren to be joining the zombie mammoths in the future, although maybe that also sounds kind of cool. We see John is going to give Longclaw back to Sam. Yeah, uh, Lord Commander Mormont told me not to lose this again. So please, Sam, just keep track of it. Don't forget that you have a Valyrian sword. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, does John have a different weapon that he's going to kill Mance Raider with? Did he think that through? No, I think he's just going to improvise. Strangle him. Yeah, he's going to pull a bower. <laughs> Use his legs. Yeah. Make him uh, eat a towel. <laughs> yeah. He'll improvise. He'll improvise. He's yeah. got this. Okay. And we end on a great cliffhanger where uh, we're going to raise the gate and lower it. And John is going to walk out. Yeah. Just walking out and fade to white. And uh, who knows what will come next, except for us, because we've already seen the next episode. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, (laughs) I hope they uh, gave the guys up on top of the wall a warning that that's actually Jon Snow, who is ranging north of the wall and uh, like doesn't accidentally like Ed is like, hold on. Oh, there's a guy down there. All right. Get him. Yeah. Drop the pitch. Yeah. Knock your arrows. Draw. (laughs) The scythe. Yeah. The (laughs) scythe. <laughs> that's Drop a great scythe alter- on him. That's a great alternate timeline where <laughs> Jon Snow just gets scythed as Yo, soon as he walks guys, out. Yeah. That was John. Yeah. Uh and Melisandre's not even up there yet to Oh, she's close by. Maybe she could have uh resurrected him uh once uh Stannis' forces show up. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yes. Who knows? Anyway, Watchers on the Wall, really great episode, highly entertaining, action packed. Um, but there's just, there's, there are qualities about it that stop it for me from being, uh, an elite episode of Game of Thrones. Do you think that's fair or is that a harsh judgment? Well, what's the cutoff for elite? Is it not top 10 for you? I think it's probably, probably top 10 ish. I've been, uh, shirking my duties on keeping track of how these things are ranking right now. I would, I would expect through four seasons of Game of Thrones that this is, this has got to be in that top 10. Got to be in the top 10, but probably the back half. Yeah. And I think when you, when you look at the, the full estimation of every episode of the show, maybe it's, uh, it's, it's a little, it's a little it's, further down, but it's it, top top 15 for sure. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's probably like five, six at this point. And then maybe ultimately uh, when we're talking, it's all said and done. It's like nine, ten. Just consulting my uh, the the official rankings that I currently have up on the Hollywood Reporter. 
uh, of through 67 episodes of Game of Thrones through seven seasons. I have the watchers on the wall at 11. Okay. Stranger things have happened. Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully it ends up 17 by the end of this thing. Wow. That would be nice. And I, I see what you did there, though. It took me a minute because I'm bad at maths. Yeah. There you go. All yeah. right. Uh, Josh, any other thoughts about uh, the watchers on the wall? Anything else uh, long term that comes out of this? Um, nothing major. It's 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 uh, I, I, I think it's it's a weird episode to kind of revisit knowing that the that the wildlings are going to be our allies you know Mm -hmm. so it's just uh it's it's a little strange to go back and and watch this episode and see them as adversaries again but it's a big payoff to you know an arc that's been building up three seasons in the making of you know the wildland army is marching on the wall and then ultimately okay so we so it's a necessary point in the show yeah, I think so. But then, luckily, the wildling threat is uh, basically neutralized after this. Totally. Okay. All right. So we will see next week. Uh, Stannis is coming in. We're going to see him right in uh, next week. I think to open the episode, right? Pretty sure that is uh, in the first act of the episode. Yeah. So we're going into the children. It's going to be. Uh, we're going to go on a brand break well, after next yeah. week. All right. So we'll say goodbye <laughs> to brand next time. Yeah, no one's mad about that. I think <laughs> a, a 10-week break from Bran and his storyline will be A-OK, especially because once he comes back, his story is really cool again. Um, so that'll happen. Lady Stoneheart will not show up. Yep. So a lot to talk about when we get to our season four finale coming up next week. Josh, in addition to all of this Game of Thrones podcasting, uh, you have uh, just started uh, recapping another show. Yes, the scythe isn't the only sharp object on post-show recaps right now. As Emily Fox and I are talking about sharp objects on HBO miniseries, some summer podcasting, having a good time with that. It is a intense show and the podcast itself is pretty light. So a little tonal disparity there, uh, but we're having a really fun time. So please listen along. We would love to have your feedback for this show that we are discussing. Okay, check it out on postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes to subscribe to everything we're doing on Post Show Recaps. Of course, uh, be sure to follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He is at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.